Hi, I'm Bryce, and I'm ready to preach. I'm Casey, and I'm ready to preach. I'm Patty, and I'm ready to preach. I'm Mark, and I'm ready to preach. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather once again in your name, God. We ask that you move mightily across this platform, that you spread your that we're trying to spread your gospel, God. We're trying to move forward in this discipleship phase, God. We ask that you fill our minds, that our mouths speak the words that you would have to speak, God. We ask that you bless this podcast in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome back, family. You have reached the Ready to Preach podcast. We're so grateful to have you joining in with us today. We are going on part two, discussing what we started last week. We're moving forward, and we decided there was more to this that could fill one podcast, so we didn't want to overbear you with hours of listening time. We want to just add kind of onto it as a part two. So we're back. We're starting here. And the first thing I want to do at this very moment, not this week, not last week. How are you doing at this moment? I'm doing great. It's been, it's been <laughs> we've been having a little bit of a little more fun than we normally do, and we're just gonna leave it at that. Yeah, Patty. I'm full of giggles right now. Don't make me talk. <laughs> we're all laughing at the expense of me and, and uh, me the, and Mark and me. Yes. Yeah. No. And, and we're just, not going to talk about structural integrity today. Right. <laughs> I, I hate it here. <laughs> no, that's been good. No, it's, it's always a, joyful to be together. Oh, no, yes. I think we have a really good time, and it's actually easy for us to get so far off topic when we're not recording. It's so easy for us to spend hours together without actually putting a podcast together, and then we're sitting here like, what did we just do for two hours? Well, we're together all week is a thing, you know, Yeah, at least that's most of so the time. Easy. Right. We're here on Tuesday nights or Monday nights, depending, and then... The three of us are together Wednesday nights in Eau Claire. And even Mark joined in on I last say, week. And Mark was here last yeah, week Bryce on Thursday. Bryce abandoned yeah. us. So we're not going to talk about our uh, my abandonment issues. It was an accident. <laughs> but, you know, we're together on Thursday nights. And we're together basically all day Sunday. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of that time we don't get to spend, like, actually together. We're Cutting just, up. Right. Yeah. I feel like we take this time and run with it a little bit too far sometimes. At this present moment, I think we're all doing. I think we. I can speak for all of us. We're feeling pretty good. Yeah, yeah we're feeling yes. good. It feels good to be together. It feels good to laugh. Laughs are do it good like a medicine. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Say, yeah. <clears throat> it can cover a lot of burden, a lot of pain. So on to this week's topic. This week's topic, like I said before, is part two of last week's. And we are just going to dive deeper into the topic. The topic is what is wrong with the church. In our opinion, not our church, but the church in general as a society, basically. And that's the thing, even though it's the church as a whole, even if it's, say, our church is doing fine or your church is not having these problems, we still, as a part of the church completely, have a problem, have a problem, and we have a responsibility to help fix it. Like if you're, say you're in a church that's going right, you know people in a church that's not, reach out, find a way, you know, show them some of the things. This is what we're doing. It's working well and it fits right, and it's scripturally backed. And then it's up to them. Maybe it can help you. Right. It's up to them at that point. But you've done your due diligence to kind of try to help as being a part of a whole. It's just like being a part of the church in general. You know, if we have a member that's not doing well, we find a way to help them. So if we can do that individually, why can't we do that church-wide as well? Absolutely. I think that's a part, like I just said, a part of a whole. We all have the, the obligation to do things to... In, in enhance or advance the church in some way and help 
everybody that we can. And I think it's most important that we help our own, you know, should, should we want to help the ones who are not involved? Yes, that's exactly, there wouldn't be a church if we didn't continually grow and get people who aren't involved. But if you see someone who is involved and they're in a bad place or a church that is involved or part of the group that is not in a good place, I think you should help home base first. Yeah. You know, even in the Bible, charity starts at home, judgment starts at home. Right, right. We should be starting these things right exactly where we're at. And we should be vigilant enough to see and have the discernment to see problems and be able to, and then wisdom and knowledge to help guide somebody through these problems and not chastise them for being in them. Definitely. So yeah, just because we're not a part of the issue right now, we don't see the issues in this present moment doesn't mean they might not arise later. Exactly. You can can become the issue if you don't help. Right. You can, you can be the reason, or you could be the, the door or so to speak, you know, metaphorically speaking, you can be the, the way out. And if you don't say nothing, you're the problem. Plus we don't want to walk all high and mighty. Like we're better than everybody because we're not, we go through our own, our own issues. Well, you see it just in worldly things, even Mm -hmm. whenever you're sitting back and you have the ability and the opportunity to help, but you instead just talk about the problem, like it's not any of your business or you're talking about somebody else. A lot of the time you'll see that same issue manifested in your own life because you've been so hyper vigilant speaking about what somebody else is doing. You're not looking at your own home or your own life to make sure it's not coming into yours too. Right. Yeah, We've had the phrase we've heard in the past to not be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Mm -hmm. Right. And Uncle Dick always says this. He said, take care of your backyard before you ever look in mine. True. A lot of the times we spend a lot of time looking for problems elsewhere when we have enough to to worry about on our own and our own yeah. lives. And it's right. not even looking just because we're curious if there are problems, but we're looking specifically for a problem. To find a problem, yeah. right. Because if we fault. can point that out there, it's like, well, you can't tell me anything. This is a problem you have. Right. Look, if your yard's dirtier than mine, I got to clean mine for a little bit longer because it ain't the worst one. Right. Well, and that's the one thing that I see a lot of people doing. They're trying to shift the focus off of themselves by pointing someone else's flaw out. You know, I, I deal with that a lot in, in business when you're going against somebody, like bidding against them for a yeah. contract. They're listing all the things that you are, you know, deficient. Or you're lacking. In, right, you're, you're deficient in these certain areas. And it's like, I don't have to go out and tell you how wrong the other guy is and how right I am for you. He might be better and probably is better in some places than I am. But I want you to look at what I'm doing and look at the work I'm providing based, you know, you can see this, you can touch it, you can look at it, you can drive down the street and say, hey, there's his sign, he did this. I would rather that you did that than listen to this guy and say, uh, I'm better because he's worse. Yeah, definitely, because we, we're so quick to do that, too. <clears throat> so quick. And that's one of our biggest problems. Yep. So let's go on to topic number one, Mark. Okay, so this one, first off, this is not going to mean how it you might first think. We're going to talk about biblical illiteracy. I don't mean like you can't read the Bible. Right. I'm talking about what people think the Bible says. I know Lenny did a sermon on things that we always think are scriptures, that and are they're not. not. Right. And like... I tried pulling up this whole survey, but all it did was just pull up another thing just about 
biblical illiteracy, but some of the yeah. ones that pointed out was that 82% of Americans think God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. Right. And it's not. And that's, uh, I want to go and be very clear about all these things that we're talking about is stuff that we have let come up. Exactly. And it's our fault that these things are like that, that we haven't retch out enough. And like we said, we focus more on everyone else's problems more than trying to push the problem solver or the answer to the problem. We have let these things come on and now we've got a lot of work to do. We got to deal with it because if we don't, it just keeps going. What's the next next statistic? Oh, the, the, and we, me and Bryce were cutting up about these because these are to us they are extremely ridiculous. But one, another one was fifty percent of graduating high school students think Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. Oh my! <laughs> I mean, some of the names in the Bible are pretty yeah, we, weird. Well, this one we could defend. This one we could defend because there are some different. But names. think about it. We have not done a good enough discipling job, right? That this is basically like we laugh at it right now, but we should be like taking this seriously. Like, look, um, me and my dad like to watch this this guy on YouTube. He goes around and he said, if you can answer these three questions, I'll give you 50 bucks. And it's like they're all Bible questions and they're simple to us, you know, and we laugh like hardly I would say 80 percent of the people that he asks cannot. Or can you if you recite a memory verse from the Bible, I'll give you a hundred dollar bill. Can't do it. And that's not their fault. That's our fault for not trying to be uh, pushing a good side of this Christian to where our Christianity to where we're not shoving it down their throat, but we're making it to where it's an enjoyable thing to do and making it to where it feels like it's good. I I think it has to do a lot with the parents too. Right. Because we send them to school because they need education, but we don't send them to church thinking that they need spiritual help. Just spiritual like, education. Just, just like we do. We need spiritual education. If we if our parents didn't take us, where would we be? Right. So we have to be those parents that take our children to church and teach them spiritual education. Right. This is the one I thought was like the funniest. And it <laughs> this is probably the dumbest thing I've ever read. Yeah. Twelve percent of the people that took this survey. Even if it's only a a hundred people, that means twelve people think this. If it's a lot larger, it's a lot larger number. There's a lot bigger number, and there's some people that need some help. You're laughing, chuckling now, Patty, without even hearing this. You hear it? Yeah, twelve percent think that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Oh my, Joan of Arc. Now he had to explain. That's just. Poor history knowledge. Exactly. <laughs> That's a double failure. Joan That's of just... Arc was French, man. Hey, thank you. France didn't exist with Noah. It was underwater. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <But I'm... laughs> I, I hope that actually comes through. I turned up that channel just to see if we actually get the no, sound it's, effects. It's our fault. All these things that we're talking about is our fault. We're not doing enough work going out and, and, and pushing this. As a good thing, as a, an exciting thing, as a new, fr- not new, fresh, but a necessary thing. And that's the thing. You know, these things we're talking about, these are silly things. Yeah. Yeah. But they start as silly things, and then they get to bigger things. Right. And if you can't stand up and correct things that seem kind of silly. You definitely won't stand up. You won't the- stand up to correct the things that are, we're too scared. Right. We're chickens. 
Cowers. Oh, yeah, I'm going to find that because that's that was uh, – it said that Christians are either – I'll let you go on. I'm going to find that because it was a it was a very interesting quote that we found about Christians or the church as a whole. Go. Yeah, so I found it. So there was this – a pastor was asked, like, what is the biggest problem in church? And which, since we're talking about problems in the church – he kind of finished it with a question of, are Christians today basically too mean or too cowardly? Both. Well, if they're being mean, I don't think they're being Christians. No. And if they're being cowards, they're not Christians. Well, that's all of us, right? Yes. There's yes. a lot of topics that we there's like, we're not talking about because... We're scared. We, we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Scared of the backlash. Exactly. We're scared of the image it's going to give us if we talk about this or talk about that. But that just puts you into the next category. If you say it, you're mean. If you don't say it, you're a coward. Exactly. But you know, tr- sometimes truth hurts. All right, that was that was that was good. Let's uh, let's move on to the next topic, Mark. All right, we got a couple here. Let's start with the temptation to reinvent the wheel. That that goes along with what we were talking about last week on on uh, Christian Christianity without Christ and and forgiveness without repentance or repentance without forgiveness. You know, these people are these people. The church is starting to try to quote unquote reform. You know, there's a lot of reformed churches. You know, and sometimes you need to take take uh, take a look at how things are going and, and adjust accordingly to the Bible, not accordingly against the Bible. Exactly. You know? If you're if you take take look or take example of what you're doing and it's not lining up with what the Bible says to do, then you start to reform and reestablish, I think is a better word for it. Renew. Renew. Renew your mind in the in the in the word of God. But totally going like, well you can do this and still go to heaven. No. You can't. You can do this and do that and do what you want, and then just God will forgive you because He's a God of mercy and love. No, He made a way. He made a plan, and you have to follow the steps in order to in order to make it. I think a big thing is is people take just one half of the story either way and run with it. Absolutely, they're not willing to accept the entire thing. You know, there's some churches, some Christians that take what's wrong, and that's all they ever want to speak about. Right. But they never want to look at the fact that, like we said last week, Jesus met people where they were, and he sat with sinners. He ate with them. Right. He was with them. So they want to preach what's wrong, but they never want to interact with the people who need to hear what they're preaching. Right. Whereas other Christians or other groups of churches want to just run with it because they want people to hear the gospel, but they're never actually preaching it because they're so busy trying to get them in. Right. Yeah, like this even says, try to avoid things like, you know, the church must become blank in order for it to survive, like it, like the Bible's not good enough. Jesus isn't good enough. You have to do something else in order for it to keep going. Well, newsflash to anybody who thinks or believes that way: uh, Jesus Christ is enough. He was enough, and he'll always be enough. Um, he even goes as far to say that he is the way, the truth, the life. No man can come to the Father but through him or by him. So I mean, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel, in my opinion. There's, I mean, it's more work to try to redo or reinvent these things that work perfectly. You know, if it's leave well enough alone, so to speak, 
Um, and it's not just well enough. It is the only thing that is enough. So yeah, that's where I think like um, if you want to go like business wise and things like that as well. Yeah. There are companies that ha- that understand that reinventing the wheel is not the way to make things better. Right. Uh, and this is not just because I'm an Apple fan, <laughs> but which I am. Sorry. Not sorry. But they, to me, they have the best way they look at things. They don't design everything for the iPhone or the iPod or the Apple Watch or any of that stuff. If they, if there's a new design they want to make, they hire someone to do it. If it works, they hire them into Apple and then they make it themselves. They don't think automatically, oh, we're because we're Apple, we can do all this. They find someone that does something, they buy the rights to it, they hire the people that build it, and they make them Apple employees. Right. And then they're making everything. Right. You don't have to reestablish something or rebuild off what yeah, someone else. They're does. not trying to redo it. <laughs> and, and and with Christianity, the Bible says that if you take from this, your name will be taken out of the Lamb's Book of Life. If you add to it, plagues will be added unto you. That's a pretty clear definition right there to me that says just go with what's there. That's There's right. Plenty. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think go we're good on that one. Yeah, let's hit the next topic. Which ties into that. And the reason with the whole reinventing the wheel is another problem with people and with churches in general is we try to make things too complex. We always talk about, you know, your dad even made mention of it uh, last week that, um, you know, there's not 39 jumping jacks, 15 push-ups and all these to... Right. To get in. It's, right. it's pretty cut and dry. It's pretty straightforward of what there is to do. Not only have they made salvation so complex, they've made church in general, you know. You have to dress up. You have to park your car accordingly. You have to wash it. You know, it sounds silly or uh, nominal things, but it's really happening. And I've heard it before, you know, like clean cars up front, dirty cars in the back. This group or sect of people have to sit here, and this is a signed seat there because of them. They're higher tithe payers. They're higher offerings, so they're better. You know, uh, we're all on the same level, and that's sinner, and that needs to be saved by grace. That's the that's right, that, amen. That's the only place where we're supposed to be. It's not complex. The only complexity to it is us making it complex. And there's a thing, whether you're a higher tithe payer or not, 10% is 10%. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, financially, it makes a difference Right. if you're making more, but it's still 10%. It's just your 10% of well, what you make. And for- I think that's perfectly designed by God, so you can't give more. You're giving what he has called you to give, and 10% is never more than 10%. Yeah. And you notice they never make mention of what percentage for offering. Offering is just whatever you feel like. Right, whatever your heart tells your hand to do. The only thing that's specified is the amount for tithe. Right. Anything on complexity, ladies? Don't make it too hard on yourself. That's all I've got to say. I think when you it's, make it's it, not complicated. Well, yeah. I think when you make it hard, you make uh, make it complex. You make it hard on yourself. You know, you make the the rules, and you got to try to follow them and uphold them and lift them up or make them your standard high to meet them. And I mean, obviously, there's a standard. Jesus has created a standard. But there's leeway and grace in that standard to where you can work on becoming something better. It's not a, a single day thing. It's a process on moving forward or moving up. And it's not, don't beat yourself up too bad if you can't make it the first day. 
if you open your eyes, it's another chance to do better. Yep. It's a process. You got to start every day off new and do your best to have a better day. Right. Right. And it is ultimately up to you. Yeah. Because we talked about before in the previous episode, you know, there's nothing you can do about your past anyway. You can't change anything in your circumstances either. The only thing that you can change is your attitude in this present time. Mm-hmm. You cannot change anything else at all. You can't change time. You can't change past. You can't change actions. You can change your attitude at this moment that we're speaking of right now. That's right. Attitude can be a big thing to work on. Your attitude will affect your outcome. Yeah. A lot of people, It'll change on. every atmosphere you're in, too. Absolutely. Exactly. Especially the people around you, too. They'll realize and look, be like, wow, he's he's getting trashed on every side, but he's still got joy and mm-hmm. still got peace, and he still shows up and does his job and works hard and this and that, or he or she, you know, at that point. But then that leads some people asking what it's like, whatever it is that they've got that lets them still smile and do that. That's what I want. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because we, we're, we're all searching. From well, the day we're born, we're all searching. Well, think think about this. Uh, the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. God delivered them. He showed himself faithful. And when they came out of the furnace, Nebuchadnezzar said, this day we're going to serve the God of A.R. of um, Meshach, Shadrach. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because he's proven himself faithful. I seen him do the work. I've seen it with my eyes. That's who we're going to serve. And I feel like people are in the same exact boat. Yeah, they, he made laws against uh, talking about him then. Right. All right. those guys that previously had tried to do everything they could to get Daniel taken out of the way and to get right. those three taken out of the way. It, it Let's just say historically it doesn't work out well for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean... We could go back to Haman and Esther and all of them. Right. It just doesn't work out. No. Being God's team, it's a lot easier. It's not complicated. Yeah. All right. Next point. All right. Next one is uh, probably a pretty common problem in a lot of churches. It's what they call consumer Christians. Yeah. My dad says it a lot, too. He's in it for the outcome and not the income. He doesn't want to check. He never has started it for that. He wants to see the outcome of people's lives being changed through Christianity. I think that can even be applied on a less like monetary or physical way. Are you ever going to buy something that you don't want? Right. You're not going to buy into something that you don't think is beneficial or good for you. Right. People come into church and they're okay with buying in where everything seems good at something they want to hear, but as soon as yep. correction comes or instruction comes that they don't agree with, they're out the door. Right. Yeah, it talks about, you know, like people, they, they have a checklist. Mm-hmm. Just like in the one of the examples they give is like just buying a car. You know, you look at the car, it has the options you want. It has these features. Right. It's this color. Maybe it's this much mileage. And that's what you're going to go towards. Well, that goes back to reinventing the wheel. There's not any other options you get. Yeah. And that's one thing. Everything that we've talked about so far this week and last has been something that we ourselves as Christians and as leaders in the church can do to change. We can't change people's mind on this. We have to preach the gospel, lay it out the best way we can, whether you like it or not, and whether they take it or and receive, you know, receive the word and, and take correction and, and act upon it is up to them. 
This is one of the only things that we can't change other than in ourselves. Yeah. And some people it takes because if you start multiple times, well, let me expound on that. Go for it. If you take what the gospel says and someone's upset about it and then you twist it to make it fit them, you've just damned them and you've damned yourself. Right. Yeah. You've made two wrongs and it didn't make a right. You lay out the gospel the best way you can. It clears you from that up. Uh, it clears you from that um, responsibility yep. and puts it to them. And if they take it or not, it's up to them. Yeah, because you can only tell them. You can't force them. No. You know you can you can lay out like, hey, this is this is where you're going. This is the path you're on. The path you're on. Yep. Based on the choice that you made. Yep. And then there is this is the alternative. You know, you've done this for so long and you know it's not working. So why don't we try just just give it some time, try something different just for once. Yep. See what happens. Like you were saying on Sunday, uh on Sunday Bible study in the morning, you were saying uh cliches, how they yeah. they work. I mean the saying, not the cliche itself, but the saying, it makes sense and it has for a long time. There's a reason why it's cliches because it makes sense. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. People say that because it's a fact. You can tell somebody about the gospel. If they don't accept that, it's theirs. Their. Well, it's on them now. Right. Because you can sit there in the Sahara Desert and someone drinks, brings you a glass of water. That's up to you to drink. If not, you'll sit there and you'll die of dehydration. And it's, that's like, a, it's like that saying, remember that old joke about um, the guy that's drowning in the water? Did you ever hear that? And then God sent him a ship, and he sh- sent him a life preserver, sent him a helicopter, and he kept he, saying, no, that's okay, the Lord's going to save me. Right, right. I forget how it goes, but it's the gist of it. Yeah. And he's out there literally drowning, and then he drowns, and he gets to heaven, and the Lord's like... He he, like, he says, why why didn't you save me, Lord? He said, I did. I sent you a ship, ship with a life preserver. I sent you a lifeboat. <laughs> all this stuff, and you didn't take it. My my favorite one is the one where it's a, a lady out there that doesn't have anything, and she's praying, Lord, provide for me. I'm starving. You know, I'm hungry. And she prays it every day out loud with her windows open. Her neighbor, which is an atheist, says, you know what? I'm going to prove to her that God doesn't exist. So he's like, I'm going to go to the grocery store, get her a, a bag full of groceries, and I'm going to sit on her porch and, and give it to her. And then next thing you know, he's like, here you go. And she opens up the window and said, thank you, God, for providing me and using Satan to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, yeah, we joke about it, but it's, it's a fact. Yeah. yeah. Things yeah. Like, like, okay, so I was I had to look this up to see if I, to make sure I word this right. Yeah. Have you, any of you guys seen the movie The Gridiron Gang with The Rock? It's based on a true story of a guy who ran a a sports program essentially for like juvenile detention center, a juvenile detention center. Yeah. And it's based on the real life of this guy by the name of Sean Porter. And there's a a speech that he gives there and he's talking to him and we kind of need to have this kind of mentality too. Yeah. And it talks about he's talking to all these kids about the way, you know, their decisions got them there, and it even goes and says, you know, because he talks about the gridiron because they don't know what that is. You know, it's it's the football field. It said, on the gridiron, we do it my way, not your way. Your way got you here. 
That's what we need. Their to do. way got your way got you to juvenile detention, right? That way didn't work. Another part later on even goes on and says, you know, because of your way, you're losers, right? But we're gonna do this my way, and no matter what the score is, you're gonna be winners. Winners in life, winners in school, winners in everything else you do, because we're gonna do things a different way, right? That's it. You want change? Do it different. Well, and it's like like Mark was saying, we need to have that in our Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Our way got us into this state of depravity or this state of a bad situation in our life where we're like, "Ooh, we screwed that one up pretty good." And and if we continue to go that way, it'll continue to take us on the path that you're going. You're on a path one of two ways: heaven or hell. Yeah. No matter what you That's think it. or what you say. And there's a point in this movie where there's a bunch of the guys there from like rival gangs. And they're still trying to essentially kill each other. Like they're getting someone coming from the outside that's a visitor who wants to kill one of the rival gang members. Mm-hmm. It gets towards the end of the and towards the end of the movie that the, these kids have now made a choice to do things the right way, and the family member that came in earlier in the movie somehow sneaks onto where they're at and shoots one of the rival gang members that's on the kids' football team. Instead of following after him, he tries to help the guy that. His gang killed lots of his friends and family. He was now separated from doing things the wrong way. He was more concerned that someone was hurt right, mm-hmm. than caring which gang that guy belonged to. That's exactly what that's, we need to do. Yeah. That's, that's a good, that's that's a good word. That's what we're doing. We're trying right. to do anyway. Quit caring about what side they're on or right. what situation or what problem they have and care more about who's hurt. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Absolutely. Because we're all humans. We're all humans, and we're all hurt in some way or another, whether it be from the church, whether it be from other humans, whether it be from anything. I like the way we point out, as we've pointed this out before, is that you just got to get in your mind and wrap it ar- your mind around the fact that no matter whether it's a person you like or a person you don't, Jesus died for them too. They're a child yes. of God. So it doesn't matter. You have to stop thinking about... Everything is a battle or a fight or everybody has the enemy. Right. You know, obviously we are in a fight, but it's not to go against other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's to help save them because we can't save them ourselves. We can provide the tools that they may not have already. Right. We're not fighting them. We're trying to win them back. I thought about this yesterday. I seen a friend at the uh, gas station and I was kind of talking with him and the conversation after we got done talking, I was kind of having a conversation with him as crazy as that might sound in my head. You know what I mean? Like a stuff that I should have said while we were sitting there talking. And I was like, I quit once, once, cause we went to school together. And once I left school, I quit thinking about what everyone else thought of what I was doing. And it let me go so much further in life than even I would, you know, know. And he was like, Oh man, you got a nice truck and things are going well. And you have a home and a, and a wife. And you know, I was like, I just quit caring what everybody else looked at me and said and went for what I thought was good for me and what everyone around me who had the good intention for me or best intentions for me thought was good for me. And I think we need to apply that to our church life. Yes. Look at people and say, I don't care who thinks I'm doing what with who. You know, I don't care what their opinion is. I'm going to do what's right, whether they like it or not. That's or right. whether they start uh, doing some blackmail or sending rumors out to everyone around you, you know, that you're hanging out with this, so you must be birds of a feather, they flock together, you know, that kind of 
junk that gets passed around. Yeah, or what's the, the phrase we used to always hear, you know, you are who your friends are. Right. Or if not, you soon, you soon will, will be. And if not, then why are they your friends? And we should have that in reverse. Yeah. Your friends are becoming who you are. And if not, they soon will be if you're a good Christian. And if they're still just to the point of they're they're just not going to listen, well, then that's fine. You don't you can still associate with them, but that doesn't make them part of that inner group, that tight friendship. Because here's another cliche for you: if at first you don't succeed, try, try, again. try again. There's going to be some people you're going to come to, and it's going to be like, well, I'm you know spit in the wind. Patty left a little bit ago when I said that, but it's true. There's going to be some people who are very hard headed, and you won't get to see the fruit of your labor. You know, you're meant to plant the seed and move on. Whether you get to see the harvest or not, Casey says, it's not up to you. Move on and go to somebody else and just continue to plant away. Look, you can get a whole lot more crop if you plant a seed and keep moving instead of you plant one and sit there and wait for it to bloom and harvest. That's right. Absolutely. Very true. We all have, we have this, and I guess this is the problem we haven't, it's not been on any of these lists, but we all know it and we all have it, these attitudes that we have. Yeah. And we have a tendency to have the mentality of the one worker from the parable. Yeah. He was hired in the first hour for this much pay to do work. Right. A few hours later, someone comes in. He gets hired this much pay to do work. Yep. And so on and so forth. So you get towards the end of the day and someone else gets hired for the same pay to go and do work. So the first guy is complaining because... You know, I did more than them. Right. But here's what you had to take from it is you did what you were asked to do. Right. Maybe you're asked to do more than someone else is. That doesn't mean that they're still not doing what they were asked to do and they should not then get what they agreed upon. Right. What you agreed on was not contingent upon what someone else would agree on. Right. That's a big problem that we have nowadays is – we try to use someone else, especially in the work in the workplace. You know, like, well, they're making X amount of dollars. Your their contract has nothing to do with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what they're doing in their private life has nothing to do with you in a lot of circumstances. You know, all you can help them with is what you see at the present moment. Yeah, and it's just hard to get beat that mentality down. It's hard to beat it down. The only way you can do it is through Jesus Christ to help you move forward and away from that. Next topic, Mark. All right. This is another big one. And the way they word this on here is geared towards the millennials, so maybe we'll let the millennials... Uh, I'm not it. a millennial. <laughs> You're closer than I am. Me too. Uh, aversion to commitment. Get some chirps in the background. I'd hit the button, but I don't think they're going through it in the broadcast. <laughs> no, that uh, that that's a big problem, especially like you're saying, and and Casey and myself generation, people are scared to say yes to something that they in the thought that they might miss out on something. They're they don't want to become Christians because they might miss the party or yeah. might waste the years away, and then you'll be old and like, oh man, I wish I would have got drunk and jumped off of a second story. No, you probably wouldn't. I can tell you. Been there, done <laughs> that. One of those it's moments where that. you wake up and you don't know that you got it right. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, that would be the one that when you wake up and you're dead. Um, Wrong. Yeah. 
No, that was just a, an example. Very, yeah. very extreme example. <laughs> yeah. But still, you know, like another one here says 91% of us expect to stay in a job less than three years. Yeah. I can attest to that. I don't think I've had a job for more than three years. I've been in the same job career for over 30 years. <laughs> so to be fair, I never established a career job until recently. So, yeah, I started out my first job was in food. It was there about three or four years. Moved on to another job in food, and I was there for about close to 20 years. Yeah. And only finally moved over into doing what I do now, and I'm going on four years there. It's like, and some of the things I went through and still stayed there, it's going to have to get pretty bad for me to quit. Cause really I don't, bad. Because I, I, I don't give up. I can personally attest to knowing Mark. And my dad and myself were talking about this. Mark went through some stuff. They beat him right in the ground, and if he didn't leave the the time he did, he never would have. Yeah, he said, "Dad's like he's one of the best employees. You can trash him all day long, and he'll still show up tomorrow." Which obviously, you're not a real a good boss would not do that. But yeah, some of the experiences that I know and personally have seen, and I was like, I wouldn't have showed up after that. Still had to work. Yep. <laughs> why Why is it so hard to commit nowadays? I don't know. I don't have that problem. <laughs> well, and, and I'm just saying, generally speaking, people don't want to commit to marriage. They don't want to commit to uh, having like a contract for like a mortgage or something, you know, or even a four-year car loan. It's hard to get people to want to commit on anything. Yeah, we just tell them try us for a year. Right. You know, you're not going to get you. You might not see what you like in, in one week. And if you don't see in a the year, then. Go ahead and move on, I guess. But I, I tell some of our clients when we do some like the sound systems that we set up, things that are movable that don't have to be tied to one location. Yeah. It's like, hey, if you don't like it here, you can move it. It just needs a power plug. But I always say, but don't just listen to like one show or a little bit. Yeah. Give it a few days with this in this spot. And even if you think you kind of like it, Move it somewhere else. Try a couple more days with that. Try a few spots, and maybe the first spot was the right spot, but don't make a snap decision. Right, right. You've got the ability to just unplug it, move it, plug it in, and it automatically reconnects. Yeah. So know that you can always move it back, but just kind of play with it. Let it let it sound. Listen to how it sounds. Yeah. And see if that's how you like it. You don't, but don't do it. You know, five minutes from now, I'm gonna put it here. Five minutes from now, I'll put it there. Right. Give it some time in each spot. I think the permanent scares people. Thinking about it right now, I know for Bryce and I's generation, myself personally, in a way, Bryce, not for you though. The most parents' children have been raised in homes without both parents because they got married and it was supposed to be forever, and they were supposed to love each other. And then they weren't. So they see that growing up the same way with the church. You know, you get into a church, and you commit, it's supposed to be good. Then the people there hurt you. And now you're afraid to commit again. The things that you see and the things that you experience are going to influence how you react in the next step. So I think it's a lot of, you know, both our faults as a church for allowing to go on. Right. But also just general life experience. But people have to understand that just because it happened once doesn't mean it's going to happen again. You do have control over how you behave. You have control over where you go. You can't base every experience that you have off of just one. Because if you're doing that, you're letting that person control control everything else you ever do. Right. 
Well, and 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 to go along with that, like you're saying, Casey, not all churches are the same. No, no, there's a quite actually quite a bit of difference in most churches. You know, if you got one that agrees according to this and agrees according to this denomination and agrees according to that denomination, you'll you'll find there are quite a bit of differences out there and just differences in people in general that go to them. You know. I like a multi-generational, multi-cultural church, you know, that is 100% backed on the Bible. Yep. To where you're going to find what you like there in the people, and you're going to find some stuff that will correct you, but it will also draw you in. Right. Alrighty. And that's the thing, too, because with there being different types of people, I always say this, there's really only a few things scripturally that can impact your eternity. Yeah. So if the other stuff doesn't, don't sweat it. You don't have to agree with that. If it's if it, if it doesn't affect what you do with Jesus or with God, then it doesn't affect where you end up. Yeah. And it's not some big deal to sweat. You know, maybe you know the, there are the churches that prefer okay dresses, long sleeve shirts, things like that. That's not going to affect your eternal destination. No. So if you don't like that, just find somewhere that doesn't have that. That's not meaning they're wrong. As long as they're what they do with Jesus is going to be the important thing. Here's uh, a saying, and let's let's make it cliche. You ready? Yep. If it doesn't affect your eternal destination, don't let it affect you. Exactly. That's good. Stuff that yep. stuff that doesn't move you uh, in or out of heaven shouldn't move you on earth. All right, Mark, next topic. All right. So we did commitment. There was one, we like we touched on some other things, and like one of them was even dealing with constant change and leadership and things like that. Like there was one site I found that was talking about during COVID, there were a lot of things that post-COVID that people were dealing with. Yeah. And one of the big ones was that with all the different um, people, some people coming back, some people not coming back, there was just – the fear that there was always going to, it was never going to be stable. Const, it's going to be constant. That goes right along with commitment issues. It's hard to commit to something that's constantly changing. Which if it's based on the Bible, that part's not changing. So the rest doesn't matter, you know? Right. Not everyone's going to be around forever. Not everyone's going to be, you know. Uh, that scares people. Yeah. You know, because people come, you know, and and hear this preacher and they like the personality and and when something happens or someone gets old or retires or whatever that may be or moves on to the next stage, you know, uh, kind of letting go of the reins, so to speak, people get nervous about that and it causes some sort of division in the church or it causes the church to split up or hopefully it doesn't, obviously, but you should be more rooted and grounded in, in what the church has to believe and that the leader is creating leaders. But a lot of the times it, it creates problems. Yeah, there were a lot. Like that was one of the big things I saw in this was just all the divisions between, you know, maskers and no maskers, vaxxers and no vaxxers. Again, if it doesn't affect your eternal destination, you do you. Don't let and it don't affect. worry about what I'm doing. Absolutely. All right, Mark, hit us with the next topic. All right, we can have uh, about things like boredom and fatigue in the church. 
I think boredom's easy because sometimes we get into rituals. It it kind of turns into not a ritual, but a schedule. I wouldn't say a ritual because that makes it sound cultish, but I like, uh, I like to break it up every once in a while to make it like refreshed to where it's not so systematic. You don't come in, sing three songs, uh, have a little Sunday school, then have a little uh, sermon and then go home right at noon, you know? But it seems if you don't pay attention to it, it happens. It's yeah. really easy to get into a systematic type or a schedule type service. Um, and that's one thing we have to guard ourselves. And people are like, oh, this is just so boring, you know. That's why we need some life, some youth in it. And going back to what we talked about last week with worship, you're not going to entice anybody to worship with songs that they don't relate to. Exactly. I think that's one major reason why people get so bored, you know, quote unquote bored with church is it's the same old thing. Uh, Gladys gets up there and hits the piano <laughs> and sings, all right, turn to page 112 and, and we're going to sing song B of uh, the great speckled bird. Yeah. An 18 year old is not going to want to listen to that. They will get burnt out on that really fast. Trust me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Great Speckled Bird can be a good song, just not when oh, you hear it's it a great every week yeah. for 20 years. Um, and burnout's a big issue, to be honest, you know, both in congregation and in leadership. Leadership, especially. I know, just speaking from experience, since we're already talking about worship, there are some Sundays that I'm like, it'd be okay if I didn't do that again for a couple of weeks. Not because of the basis of what it is, not because I'm ever tired of worshiping or, you know, praising God, but just because... It gets to be a lot. And we were talking about leadership change at one point too. I think it was off air, but we can move into that eventually. Sometimes whenever you're seeing a difference and a change in leadership, it's because there's a lot of work that I think their congregation doesn't see. So much. That goes into any type of leadership, whether it's you know leading worship or if it's being a pastor or even just preaching. There's preparation. There's Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, where sometimes I'm thinking, what are we going to practice on Thursday? Because I want to have a good worship service that we're putting forward and edifying God, but also keeping people interested. Right. And then we get here Thursday, and we have to do it. And yeah. then by Sunday, you know, sometimes it's all that's taking up your mind. And I'm sure it's the same for somebody who's pastoring. I know it's the same for what's preaching. I have to do the full sermon this week, and I have not thought about anything since, since like last Friday. Yeah. Like two Fridays ago. I, I think it gets it's easier to fall into that sort of burnout stage or fatigue stage when there's, like we do, more than one service on a Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, more than one Bible study throughout the week, more than one time or one sermon that you're preaching, especially in my dad's case, you know, doing a full sermon Sunday morning and Sunday night for the past two years. You can imagine you got to be actively looking for n- new and fresh content to bring forward to you know, that's not, you're sitting there beating a dead horse saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Right. And an empty cup can't pour to fill somebody else either, you know? Absolutely. We are in leadership and we are trying to lead, but at the same time, we have to be poured into sometimes. Definitely. And if you're a Christian and you're just sitting in the congregation, this is a call to get up. Yeah. Yes. You're called to do more than just sit there and soak. And I think if you don't like something, try to do it. Try if you need something that, like a child's a children's class or a woman's class or something that you're looking for, 
maybe you could bring it up. Maybe you could help out. You're you know? the one that has been, God's been waiting on. Yeah. Yeah. Because everybody's that. given a job, you well, know. Yeah. Go ahead. Everybody's given a job. There's teachers, there's prophetic people, there's there's lots of things to do in the church. Um, prayer warriors. You, yep. you think you're a strong prayer warrior, then get in there, get some people together and say, we're going to pray on Friday nights or we're going to do something because you got to come together more often. And if you don't like something, make it happen. Right. That, and that's one thing that I want to tell you too. There's no such thing in the fivefold ministry. There's no such thing as a bench warmer. No. Everyone, no everyone's a, everyone's on the field. Life is not a spectator sport, and neither is church. Absolutely. And I think you should look at it that way. Even if it sounds silly, you know, get up and do something. And I'm not trying to be harsh or rude, but you will find that it will benefit you greatly to do what you're called to do, even if it just feels good. God will give you some sort of uh, the feeling of accomplishment or some someone will tell you you're doing a good job. You don't know how good that feels. Or if you are the one that tells somebody else that yeah. they're doing a good job, that feels good for you. Definitely. And don't be like upset or maybe a little confused if when you do step up to do something, someone else steps down. Maybe it's because they were doing or they were filling the spot that you're taking, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the spot where they wanted to be. Right. I mean, you know, it was a little weird. Like, I had to get used to doing the teaching. Yeah. But it wasn't so much like, okay, it's not that anything else is different. It's like, I just, Finally it's got fun. Yeah. Where you got where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And same thing with, like, even in the music. Like, your dad played for a while. Your right. dad can play guitar very well. Yeah. But, like, Within a few weeks of me starting coming, he just sat down. Yeah. It felt like it not was his duty, but it was like it would be more beneficial for everybody involved if I did this. And then I'm not trying to, you know, like I don't like I I think I said this off air. I don't think I said this on there. I don't like talking about the things I do because I don't want to come across as bragging. Right. But I then take that as a compliment that because I I enjoy listening to him play, and I respect what he can do. Right. So him saying, okay, I don't have to be up here. I can sit down. I take that as a compliment. Right, right. You know, even without – I'm not searching for that, but I can. I take that as a compliment on what I bring to it. I, I challenge anybody this week listening to um, be active in looking for a place that they can fill the gap. Or if they see where someone is doing multiple things, exactly. see if you can help. Because you might be needed somewhere. And and my dad was talking to uh, Pastor Tony the other day, and he said, Pastor Tony said, I'm just waiting for God to provide a piano player, an organ player, and someone to sing. Dad said, don't look anywhere else but your congregation. They're there. Just have the wisdom and the discernment to to notice them. Yeah. And he said, a good leader will train his way right out of a job. A good guitar player will train his way right out of a job. <laughs> A good Sunday school uh, teacher will train his way right out of a job. And hey, if someone wants to train, my, tr- get me trained out of it, you know, hey. <laughs> Look, as soon as you get Mark trained out of the guitar, he's getting a microphone. Wait a second here. Never Hold mind. on. He said, never Maybe mind. I'll just... He said, I'll take a couple more years on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> that, right. es- that escalated quickly. Do we have another topic, Mark? Uh, we're, we're talking about training. How about 
a big problem in the church is some churches have problems training new people and then also just releasing the new leaders, you know, letting them do that, the things they're wanting them to do. That right there, I think is an, I would say is at least top three of church killers. Yeah. Old guys get stuck in their mind that they are the senior pastor and they there's nothing no one can do about it. And guess what? You will go and you will see the physical death of your church. If you have that mentality to where no one else can do it, just me, you'll watch your church completely deplete down to nothing and then the doors will close. Am I wrong? You're not. I was just thinking anything that you call seniors on its way out. Right? Senior Usually. in high school is getting ready to graduate. Senior citizens a whole lot closer to the end goal than a most six, younger people are. A six-foot hole. But yeah, I agree. People are in the church, and they're ready to do something, but they don't know what to do. Um, I encourage them to pray about it. Ask the Lord what he'd have you to do. If you're ready, just ask. You know, if, sometimes we're not Even if you if you ask— forward. If you ask and your pastor just kind of blows you off, come to redem- Redemption, we'll give you something to do. Right, we got plenty. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm gonna say if, you, if you're praying about it and you're not quite sure what the answer is, go ask your pastor. Yeah. He has an idea of where he could use some help. Yeah. And if he and if he's one that's sticking to, I'm, I got the reins and I'll be in control till I leave, come to Redemption. Sorry. Is that a shameless thing, plug? Though. I feel yeah. like the people don't talk about, you know, you want to tell people to be committed and stay rooted in a church. You have to make sure it's a good church. Right. Not, I mean, there are bad churches. I'm not even going to say that there aren't. Right. Because there is leadership that's not leading in a biblical manner. They're not leaders. They're dictators. Yes. Right. They try to dictate everything you do, everything you say, everything that goes on. When you step into dictatorship and the Holy Spirit steps out of dictatorship, ugh, you got that's a bad place to be. I'm so sorry. Don't take our words so literally that you stay somewhere where you're not being fed. Right. right. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Even that, the whole point is, like you said, train train yourself out of a job. Yeah. Well, the whole point is that eventually those ones you're training up may leave as well. Right. Because guess what? There's more communities that need that as well. Right. That was a big thing that my dad and myself talked about, you know, is like, as much as I would want you to stay here with me, I know you'll do better if you go and and reach another community and and train them up to be a pastor. But they can't be a pastor while you're still forty years old, you know. Move them somewhere else, set them up a place to where they can go. And I think to go along with that, not only train them up to release them, have the ability and the wisdom to look and see somebody who has potential of training. That's one thing that has been big in all of our circumstances. Yeah. In all of our cases, yeah. you know. Pushed us all out. <laughs> he pushed us all out. He's seen something in us that we didn't yeah. see. I mean, a lot of people seen it. Uh, and we've seen it too. We were just not oblivious to it, trying to hide from it or run away from it. Yeah. Or in my case, hiding behind the drums and the post. Yeah. <laughs> with your with volume with on like one. One, yeah. <laughs> no, but that that's another thing for leadership that's listening be looking be working because if if you're the only one and you die the church does too yeah. and think about that you know not that part not about the, if you die the church dies but you know you're there's going to be people praying that hey what's something I can do in a church well then as a leader your job is to pray hey find me somebody that wants to do something in the church right and guess what those prayers are along the same line so when they yeah. get up they're going to meet right yes. And then when they meet, 
you're going to meet. Right. And then the job that you've been praying to fill and the job that someone's been praying to get, uh, it'll be filled and it'll be fulfilled. Yeah. Do we have another topic? Let's see. We already did the training stuff. There is... What are you laughing at over there? <laughs> Casey's doing karate. Casey's doing karate. I, see, I'm, I'm I just here. have like a full body shiver, and Bryce and Bay are looking at me, so I did a little... Oh, I thought maybe move. he interpreted the full body shiver as karate, in which case maybe we need to get into some kung fu movies. She did a full body shiver, and then she did a karate. Okay, okay. So it wasn't you mistaking <laughs> one as the other. All right, let's get to our next Okay, topic. the last one I can think of is like a... A lack of clear outreach focus, or you could also even combine that with an atmosphere, because we already talked about atmosphere already, that yeah. instead of encouraging growth, restricts it. Ugh. I wish you would give us this one first when we when we were fresh to have good thought. Oh, we'll have good thoughts. Don't worry about that. If your church doesn't reach out to the community, how do you expect it to get new people? Exactly. And then, again, so many of these tie in together, too. Every one of them, I think, so yeah. far has, except for the one about consumer Christians. So you consumer Christians. Yeah, that one. Yeah, because that's, that's the part of the thing that we can only do so much with. You have to kind of want to change yourself at that point. Right. But back into the, you know, training new leaders and releasing them, all, then the, the whole attitude of being scared to grow. Yeah. Or not really wanting to grow, being content with maybe you have fifty members and you're you're okay with the fifty. You don't want to expand. I think, I think being scared to grow goes along with having a bad leader. That kind of pushes you who they're scared that you'll grow and be better. Or they're scared that you'll grow and over achieve what they have achieved, you know? That's when the people are they're in it for the wrong reasons. Then. That's not right. leadership, that's control. Right. Yes. That's domination. Maybe that's something we should talk about, the difference between leadership, leadership and control, because that is a big problem. Well, if, 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 there's, if they're a leader, they'll be training. Uh, they won't need the limelight or the spotlight. They'll, they'll be able to sit back and, and watch and be proud and happy that they've seen you and they brought you out and the, the guy's actually using you. It'll be a, a joyful moment for them, not a not a, a moment of plotting to see how they can take you down because people like you more or they're more receptive to you or God uses you better. It's probably because you got a bad attitude, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Casey, what about you between leader and controlling? My thought is you can't call yourself a leader if you don't allow anybody to follow you. Ooh, you ooh. can't be a teacher That's if you're not teaching Casey. anybody. If you don't yes. have any students, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, obviously, if you're looking at leaders in terms of, you know, a head of a church or leading the church, where are you leading them? Heaven. Yep. Better be, if not. You know, if you're older in age and you have a congregation that's not all your age, there's going to come a point where you're not there anymore. And if they don't have a leader, where have you led them? Straight to a dead end. Right. Straight to a church that disappears. Right. If you are more concerned with your influence over the people right now, than you are over the potential influence for their eternity, then you're wanting to control them. You're not wanting to lead them. Yes. If you're concerned about their eternity, you're going to make sure there's a leader or another person who can lead them once you're gone. 
I think you had a saying about that, something about worried about current reputation more than eternal destination. Yes. Let's make that cliche. You want that? <laughs> yes. That sounds yes. like we're, we're coming up with our own cliches, folks. <laughs> Look, I'm as cliche as they come. <laughs> All right, Patty, how about you? Leader or controlling? What's your thoughts on things like that? A leader is someone to have follow, followers, just like a big duck. The little ducklings follow that person. You right. know, I mean, that duck. Um, it's the same thing. Same thing, kind of, in my mind. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, if you are trying to control everything, that means you're a micromanager that comes from the spirit of Jezebel. Yeah. She yeah. had to control everything. She had the spirit of control. A spirit of control. And where does that come from? The devil. You know it's bad when you're you so know. controlling that you get a spirit named after you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. But, you know, that makes me think of that. Absolutely. Like I feel it, the if, same way. If you can't let go and let God, you're trying to be God. Yeah. Yeah, and how'd that work out for the first one that tried to be God? Not good. Yeah, he got cast down. Cast down with all with a third of his buddies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they were too friendly with him after that, but they didn't no. have much. By, you by know, that I'd time, be mad. Jezebel well, got cast down too. By that time, they had no choice but to follow, so they're kind of stuck with it. Mark, you didn't hear me. Jezebel got cast down I, too. I heard you. I was just trying to finish my thought. So, sorry. <laughs> And with that, I think we've given you out enough content that you can uh, kind of search yourself and and figure out whether you are the reason that the church has become bad or has gained a bad rep, you know, or bad rap. Um, I think we should all be active in looking in ourselves to find the faults or anything that is unlike or does not line up with the Word of God to change those and to make people want to come to Christ. And with that, I'd say I love you. I thank you for joining us on this episode, part two of Why the Church Has Gone Bad. It is finally over. We're wrapping it up. We thank you. We appreciate you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comments section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.